What's up, everybody? Good morning. Welcome to Liquid Church. Glad you're here. I'm Pastor Tim. And uh, yeah, make yourself at home. Come on in, guys. Uh, come on. You get me and see me in my natural habitat, okay? I, I, I know some of you are like, I'm new. What's that dude doing in a bed on stage? Uh, and the answer is, I'm exhausted, okay? Easter was crazy. And this is how pastors are like the week after, like, ah. But listen, we had over 8,000 people at all of our campus all of our campuses joining us to, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. Can we say hello to our campuses? What's up, guys? We're glad you're here today and with us. It's great. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm just honest moment, okay? So I am tired, and when I get tired, this is what I like to do. I like to kick back kind of in our home and just, like, relax. I get a little, some snicky snacks in bed, maybe some Pringles, uh, and like to watch Netflix. Just quick show of hands. How many of you admit you like watching TV in bed? How many of you do it? Okay, let's just see. Thank you. That's just a real honest. I pre- the rest of you are lying. Uh, <clears throat> but, right, because you probably like to stay in bed and you watch, you know, you know, whatever your show is, right? You know, my wife likes The Crown or, you know, Game of Thrones if you're not a Christian. Uh, <laughs> uh, Sports Center, that's my jam. House Hunters. Actually, actually, personally, my favorite show, Tidying Up with Marie Kondo. Okay, yeah. It sparks joy in me, okay? It's just like... Quick second poll. How many of you just sleep in a bed at night? You just, you have a bed in your condo, your apartment, your home. You sleep in a bed at night. Okay, awesome. Yeah, here's the deal. Lucky you, lucky you. Uh, It's something we take for granted, right? A warm bed, um, a roof over our head. But the truth is, in New Jersey, your home state, homelessness spiked 10% last year. People with no place to live. I mean, people without the basics, no bed, no bathroom, they're living on the street. It it shocked me to read that New Jersey uh, had a 10% increase in homelessness because that is actually the sixth biggest in the nation. In fact, a recent report said that our our state has over uh, 9,400 people who at night, they're just kind of living on the streets or sleeping in cars, uh, lacking the basics. And it's kind of like, well, what's what's causing that spike in homelessness? And uh, here's what one expert said. This is interesting. Look at this. They said, it's harder and harder to make ends meet in New Jersey. Amen. Housing gets less and less affordable. The opioid epidemic is growing. And while the unemployment rate is going down, the amount of uh, money people are making is not enough to afford the very expensive housing in most of our state. How many know housing is expensive in New Jersey, right? Okay, now here, I don't know we should clap for that. Like... That's more of a boo kind of, but that's okay. That's, no, don't boo. Come on, it's church. Uh, Grace, Grace wins. Okay, guys, hey, listen. Essex County, okay, you guys actually have the largest homeless population in the state. We have a campus in Nutley. You actually have over 2,400 people who are on the street every single night. Uh, Middlesex County, we have a campus in Sayreville. They're actually fourth highest population of homeless folks. And then Monmouth County, where we're launching our seventh campus, they're 12th highest uh, actually in, in the homeless population. And I understand that may come like as a surprise because it's like, like homelessness is growing like because we don't wake up and go out and see like people sleeping on the sidewalk, right? But that's because more and more the face of homelessness is changing, especially in New Jersey. More and more families who maybe are working for minimum wage are actually moving into short-term shelters. Uh, You have teenagers, 20-somethings, millennials addicted to opioids who are now living on the streets military veterans with PTSD who are just sleeping in their cars. And guys, that's why we're doing this, this very short two-part series 
called Homeless Church. Uh, Today, I'm going to challenge you to put your faith in Jesus into action. Actually get out of your bed and serve our brothers and sisters who are struggling on the streets. In fact, I'm going to challenge you today to sign up for a special outreach this Saturday night, May 4th, called Homeless Church. And let me explain. The concept is very simple, okay? For one night, we're going to ask you to put the clicker down. (laughs) Get out of your bed, okay? Don't take your pillow. By the way, why all the pillows, ladies? Can I just ask that? Like nine pillows on the bed. It's like, leave your pillows, all your comfortable stuff behind. Leave your comfortable bed behind and actually sleep instead inside a different kind of bed. A cardboard box like this. We're going to have a sleep out in two different cities, Parsippany and Sayerville in our church parking lot. We are going to set up cardboard cities at both locations. When you come at six o'clock, we're going to give you a cardboard box, some duct tape, and together we're going to sleep out at night as a way to identify with our brothers and sisters living on the streets and actually not only raise awareness, but some incredible life-changing resources for the homeless in our state. We're doing this Saturday night sleep out to raise support for our ministry partner, New York City Relief, which is celebrating its 30th anniversary of serving the homeless throughout New York and New Jersey. Can we hear for, for the Relief Fund? They do an amazing job. If you're not familiar with them, we love them. The partners in ministry, they run the Relief Bus, uh, which are these mobile care centers, retrofitted buses that go out into Newark and Patterson, the inner city, to serve homemade soup and bread, uh, distribute hygiene kits to those living on the street, and they actually perform life care visits. These are one-on-one counseling meetings with our homeless friends where they connect them to emergency shelter, job training, detox, rehab programs, because homelessness, understand guys, homelessness is a struggle. It's not a life sentence, and you can help change a life. That's our tagline for this Saturday's outreach. One night can change a life. For every person who sleeps out in our cardboard city on Saturday night, Liquid is going to make a $30 donation to the relief bus. And you may say, well, what's $30 going to do? Big deal for a person living on the street. That $30 will buy four meals, four servings of food and drink, two hygiene kits, toothbrush, toothpaste, soap, comb, you know, razor, one metro card. Why do they need a subway card? Because that gives them transportation, actually, to shelter and detox programs and the social services that we connect them with. Now, you may be asking, like, well, wait a minute, we're, we're a church. Why are we doing a sleep out? And here's the answer. Because it's a practical way to love our Savior Jesus. See, as a church, we just spent the last seven weeks, right, We've been like walking in the footsteps of Jesus, the God of Miracles series, right? Amazing, like it was a faith-building series, right? We looked in the Gospels. We looked, how did Jesus embrace the poor? How did he heal the sick? How did he care for the hurting? And then he lays down his life sacrificially to serve you and me. But you know what? What does it look like now? Now that you're saved, you're a follower of Jesus, what's it mean to follow him in the real world? Like, I mean, 21st century New Jersey. How do you put your faith into action. Like when it comes to rising homelessness, what would Jesus actually do? Well, the answer is we know. (laughs) The miracle of the gospel, think about this, is that God's only son, the Lord of heaven, leaves his life of riches and comfort and security, his home in heaven, 
to come down to earth to live and sleep in a manger. Jesus was born into straw poverty. His opening days were with an immigrant family who had no home, and he made his first bed in a filthy animal trough. That's God's heart. I like the message paraphrase of John chapter 1, which says this, the word, or Jesus, became flesh and blood and did what? Moved into the neighborhood. It's called the incarnation. To show his love, Jesus left his world to enter our world. That is, Jesus chose to leave a perfect, comfortable home to come live in the grit and grime of a broken world. That's love. That's the kind of love God has. And it's actually amazing when you think about it. It kind of bends your mind a little. During Jesus' adult life and ministry, do you know this? Jesus himself was homeless. Yeah. Think about it. Actually, Jesus said it. Jesus said this. He said, foxes have dens. They have a home. Birds have nests. They have a home. But the Son of Man, me, Jesus, has no place to lay his head. Think about that. We spend most of our adult lives trying to arrange to make our house as nice as possible and all the comforts and all the luxuries and security we can. And that's fine. But notice, Jesus didn't spend his adult life trying to arrange for as much comfort and security as possible. In fact, we learned that Jesus didn't live at his own house. He crashed at Peter's house in Capernaum. Remember that? It was funny. We were walking into Jesus' hometown, Capernaum, and they noticed there was a strange sculpture. It looked like this. Took a picture of it. And when I saw it, it's a bronze sculpture. It actually looks like a homeless man wrapped in a blanket, sleeping on a park bench. It says, hometown of Jesus. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, that's weird. What's this thing doing here? And I'm looking more closely, and you'll notice there are holes in the feet of the man on the bench. The wounds of crucifixion. The sculpture is called Homeless Jesus. See, in his life on earth, Jesus did not have a home, but identified with the poor for not only shelter, but for food and support. And then, of course, his most famous sermon, <laughs> The Sheep and the Goats, Jesus said, hey, whenever my followers, whenever you give a drink or food or shelter to some of the poor and the vulnerable, my Father in heaven credits it like you're doing it to me. At the judgment seat, God will say, here's what Jesus said, for I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, I was homeless, and what? You invited me into your home. And of course, the righteous will say, Lord, when, when did we feed you or give you shelter as a homeless person? And Jesus will say, surprise, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Now that's hard to get our minds around, isn't it? That like God takes it personally. That God's heart beats for the homeless. Theologians speak of his preference for the poor. The reality that God loves all people everywhere, but he has a special heart for the poor who are vulnerable and lack the basics. If you're a parent, you understand this. If you have a child maybe who was born with a disability or a learning deficit, you love all your kids equally, you love them all the same, you lay down your life, but you have special compassion and protection for that one. You have a heart like that for the homeless? Because God wants to give you his through this outreach. See, a few years ago, I felt I can't just be preaching about this stuff. I want to catch God's heart for the homeless. So I spent a night sleeping on the streets of Newark 
with friends from the relief bus. And man, it was eye-opening. It was, it, it was, it was, it was life-changing. I mean, you won't be surprised to, to learn that the top three neediest cities in the entire nation are Detroit, Cleveland, and Newark. Newark, New Jersey. Welcome to Promised Land, okay? The percentage of homeless living in Newark are three times that in New York City because many of them are families with children. So I decided to be homeless for a night and went to a thrift shop, got an old jacket bundled up, and I had a simple prayer. I was like, Lord, break my heart with what breaks yours. God, give me your eyes to see those who are invisible, to understand these beautiful people who you're calling us to minister and serve to. Let me tell you what I experienced. We went to Penn Station, which is the gathering point for many homeless in Newark, because it's a transportation hub. It's open 24-7. There's benches to sit or lay down on. They have public bathrooms. Basically, the reason is our metro area serves as a transportation hub for the entire Northeast. And so the homeless gravitate there. These are some of the people who call Penn Station home. George Welsh actually became homeless two years ago, and he spends his time on a bench sitting, dozing off. This is the middle of the day, waiting for a train that never comes. Tim Boatman moved to New Jersey from Indiana. He heard there was more work here. And he arrived in 2011, and he never unpacked. He now lives at Penn Station. That's been home for him since 2011. Victoria's been homeless for years, over two decades. She cries very easily about it. Some of the folks at Penn Station are mentally ill. Um, many of them are veterans, some of them with PTSD. Some are senior citizens who can't afford housing. Some are addicts. Every single one has a story, though. See. Homelessness has exploded in Newark over the last 10 years because the cost of living has gone up 20% in the city compared to 13% in the suburbs. And there's a lack of affordable housing. Some of you are like, that doesn't make sense. When I drive in and I go to the Rock for a basketball game or a concert, whatever, I just, like, it seems like Newark's going through a renaissance. Yeah, but here's what's happened. The city has actually knocked down many of the high-rises like the Seth Boyden projects and replaced it with uh, low-rise housing, which is meant to be more safe, more humane, and that's a good thing, better than the projects. But the problem is when you demolish a high-rise designed to um, house 500 families and you replace it with housing for 300, you just displace 200 families at a time. And so a lot of them end up here, living on the streets or at Penn Station. I spent time talking with this woman named Milagro. She's from uh, the Dominican Republic. And um, she said, I, I haven't been homeless actually very long. Um, she was employed. She actually worked at Newark Airport, had a good job there as a, a baggage handler. Um, but she lost her ID, which is a very common problem uh, for homeless folks. And then all sorts of problems happened. She actually ended up losing her job because she couldn't get paid. Um, They're like, you have to go get your birth certificate, but that's very hard to do from another country. And so all these things that you or I could navigate, like with relative ease, like just get a replacement, you know, they're crazy complex for homeless people. When you have no money, no job, no home, no computer, no paper trail. And so Milagro started living at Penn Station. She's been there 16 months. At night, she sleeps actually underneath the bridge in, in a cardboard box like this. And you're like, well, why, why would people sleep on the street? Well, because the shelters close at 4 o'clock. And if you miss out, you don't get a spot. It means you're shut out for the night. So Milagro has this nice space uh, underneath the, the trestle. And that's considered like a very, you know, good spot because it's out, out of the rain. 
and she uh, stuffs, stuffs bags with like rags and shirts. She has a hygiene kit. And as we kind of got to meet her and some of the other friends around there, what we learned is most of the homeless, they like have kind of a special system. Each has their own for like sleeping at night. And so we got our, our box and, and we get there and we picked a spot right by the steps uh, of Penn Station. And so we got our box. It kind of was like a a cardboard burrito, you know, and, and I'm, I'm laying there, and I'm like, okay, now what? And, and, and my guy was like, well, now we go to sleep. And I was like, okay. And like this, and they're like, well, just try making yourself comfortable. It was like impossible to be comfortable because you're literally sleeping on the pavement with nothing but the cardboard between you and the street. And then, of course, you know, I just start dozing a little bit, and then all of a sudden I hear train leaving, track three, Amtrak number. I'm like, what, you know? And then there's this like knocking on my roof and I'm like, huh? Boom, the roof explodes off. Hey, oh, hi, officer. It's the Penn Station police. Good people, but guess what? They closed the doors to the public at 1 a.m. So out, guys, out. And so, okay, yep, you got it. And so we get, our, we get our home, our box, and we go walk out on Raymond Boulevard and walked around that for about three hours, which is what a lot of homeless people do at night. It was very really the oddest thing because I'm like, I've been outside in Newark, like, when I get out of a basketball game, and I walk, we're walking past Prudential Center. I'm like, huh, the last time I was here, I had box seats for a Devils game, you know. And then we witnessed our first drug deal, which was quite an experience. Uh, there was a man, it's about 1, 2 a.m. in the morning, and he's yelling, yelling, and starts shaking this, this woman who's kind of, like, barking back to him. She was not making, like, words, but just sounds, and, and our guy said, oh, yeah, they're actually a couple. This is a domestic dispute. She's mute. She's actually deaf. She can't really speak. And they're arguing. And then two street kids come up, give him $10, and he hands them this little packet of drugs. And then they disappear into the night. Then they see us, and they're like, you know, you want some? We're like, we're good. And then the police drove by. They didn't even look. Just another night in Newark. Now, by that time, the temperature had dropped. And it was getting cold because, you know, I, I'm sleeping, we're out there, and it was winter, and so it was like 40 degrees because it was pretty mild. But, like, I'm like, what happens, like, when it's 20, when it's in the teens? What do you do when it rains or it snows? And that's when we found out that on the street, socks are gold. It's almost as important as drugs, socks. Because the homeless are like, if you get your feet wet or cold, you never get warm. And so many homeless folks have actually ulcers on their feet because they never lay down. They're always squatting or sitting up and walking around, poor circulation. So socks are gold. And we actually had some with us. That is part of the relief bus's mission. They actually hand out socks as part of their hygiene kits. And, and we were giving out these free pairs of Bomba socks. You know Bomba socks? They're like, you know, warm and like moisture wicking. They're like gold and people are, are, are loving them. But here's the saddest part. What I found out is homeless folks are always on the edge. There, there's this woman who's lying on the sidewalk. And so we go over and say, hey, would you like a pair of socks? And she like recoiled from us. Like in horror, she thought like we were going to attack her or something. And so we're like, no, 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 we're, we're, just give, we're just giving you socks. She goes, no. And she disappears, runs into the night. And, and my friend said, well, here's why, Tim. Homeless people are often victims of violence while they're sleeping. They get stabbed, robbed, beaten. Some sleep with their eyes open, back against the wall, holding onto their backpack, all their possessions. Sure enough, we found many homeless sleeping in shrubs and behind bushes out hidden from sight. 
See, the homeless never truly rest. They're always on edge, scanning, fearful of what might happen next. Our guide told us about this man who came to the relief bus, and he had horrific burns all over his neck and his chest because somebody threw battery acid on him. I was like, why would, what? Why would someone do that? He said, because them homeless are seen as non-persons. They don't count. There's no, they're, they're, so they're vulnerable. They're random acts of violence at night. There's no accountability. Let me tell you something. When it got to be around 3.30 a.m., we're walking around, and all the crowds are gone, and it's just you in the shadows, your senses are heightened, okay? You, you start, you're like hyper-vigilant, but you're exhausted. Let me tell you something. The emotional and psychological impact is crushing. When you have nowhere to lay your head and realize, I'm invisible. People actually just, just walk around you on, on their way home, right? They're just kind of like, oh, there we go. You know, part of the landscape. And that's when it dawned on me. I'm like, I'm usually on the other side of this. I'm the guy who was at the game who like lets out, and I got to get on the train on the way home and like, excuse me, pardon me, you know, just kind of step over people. And for one night, I changed positions. I actually left my world and just got a small taste of what their world was like. And it was devastating. It was soul-crushing to think, I'm invisible. Nobody cares. I mean, imagine feeling that day after day, month after month, year after year. Imagine 20 years of that. Let me tell you something. If you were not mentally troubled at first, you will be. What's it like to live without hope? Because I knew in a few hours I'd be getting in my car, going home to my warm house, my comfy bed, family that loves me, hot shower, and I knew everything would be okay. What's that like to know you'll never go home? You'll never actually go home. Your greatest hope is to get the good bench at the train station. The effect of homelessness is crushing to mind body, and soul. It has a profound spiritual impact. You know, Mother Teresa said, we think sometimes that poverty is only being hungry, naked, and homeless, but the poverty of being unwanted, unloved, and uncared for is the greatest poverty, and we must start in our own homes to remedy this. I would add we must start in our own churches too. Amen. Amen? Guys, for Christians who worship a Christ, we worship a Christ who was born into poverty, who spent his whole life ministering to those on the margins. This has to be our mission this spring, to see the need, to extend God's love to our neighbors in need. Guys, you don't need to go to Nazareth when you got Newark right next door, okay? I really believe like the strength of a church is measured in our capacity for compassion. Saved people serve people. It is our willingness to actually see the need, leave our own comfort zone, and get personally involved. We don't, let me tell you something if you're new to our church. We don't see those who struggle with homelessness as a problem to be solved. We see them as people to be loved. Amen? People of glorious worth that God has appointed you to help and serve. You're saved people serve people. There's a reason for your salvation. It reminds me of James 2. This is a, a, a scripture that talks about putting your faith into action. 
in a very practical way. Uh, James was the half-brother of Jesus. He actually was a leader in the early church, and he wrote this. He said, um, suppose a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. In other words, they're homeless. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, I shall pray for you. I may even blog about it and post something inspirational on my social media. But does nothing about their physical needs. What good is it? Let's read the words in red out loud. Ready? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is? Dead. Is? Dead. It's? Dead. dead. Guys, we just celebrated Easter, which is about your Savior coming alive, your faith coming alive. The question is, is your faith alive or is your faith dead? content to just kind of enjoy the incredible privilege and the blessing, but the comfort of our cocoon, and just kind of turn a blind eye to something happening right here in the state that is our home. Guys, if you are ready to put your faith into action and extend Christ's compassion to our brothers and sisters on the streets, guys, this Saturday night is your chance. This Saturday, May 4th, we are hosting an overnight sleepout in Parsippany and Sayreville in our church parking lots starting at 6 o'clock. Here's what's going to happen. You come to either campus. We've got one in the south, one in the north. And when you come at 6 o'clock, we're going to give you a cardboard box. We'll give you a garbage bag. We're going to give you duct tape. And then after a little orientation at 6.30, we're going to lock the doors of the church. This is not a lock-in. It's a lock-out. Okay, we're locking you out of the church. And then we're going to spend the night constructing our cardboard city to sleep in together. Here's why. I believe most people don't really get something until they do something about it. You know? Like the night I spent in Newark was like my attempt to understand in some very small, limited way the challenges of being homeless. And it meant leaving my comfortable world for a cardboard box and entering their world. And the next morning, look, I, 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 you know, I went right back to home, and I told my wife about it. Next thing you know, I'm, I'm eating my snicky snacks on the bed and all that kind of stuff. I got it, right? Okay. But something changed. Some, my heart was enlarged with compassion for my brothers and sisters living on the streets. And I want you to experience the same thing. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are on your weather app. You're like, is it going to rain on Saturday night? Is it? You're real practical people. I get that. Some of you are like, oh, you know, where, where are we going to go to the bathroom? You're locking us out of the church. We're going to have porta potties, people, okay? They're already ordered. They're arriving tomorrow. We have police who are going to provide security so it's 100% safe. And guess what? You're like, what are we going to eat? The relief bus is going to feed you. The relief bus is going to arrive at 730, and you're going to have a dinner of hot soup and bread and cocoa and uh, exactly what they offer on the streets. You're going to experience that. And then we're going to build our cardboard boxes, and we can decorate, and we'll have some fun. But there's going to be lights out at around 12 midnight. And then at 6 a.m. the next morning, we're going to open the doors of the church and serve you a warm breakfast. Now, some of you are like, all right, we're sleeping outside a whole night, a whole night, yeah, okay. But what difference does that make? A world of difference. Like I said, one night can change a life. For every person who completes the homeless church sleepout, our church is going to donate $30 to New York City Relief 
in honor of their 30th anniversary. And that $30 you raise just by sleeping in a cardboard box means that somebody's going to get four meals and two hygiene kits and one Metro card this spring. Now do the math. If a thousand people sleep out under the stars, that's $30,000 we're on the hook for. But that's also 4,000 servings of food and drink, 2,000 hygiene kits, that's 1,000 Metro cards. So understand, we're not asking you for money. Our church is giving the money. You're sleeping out. You're actually, look at this, you got a smile on your face, right? <laughs> Woo, I'm sleeping outside in a box. Praise God. Okay, all right, not, not, all right. <laughs> I, I think some of you are going to, it's going to open your eyes and touch a lot of your heart. I, I really pray that this experience will be transformational because you are sacrificing your comfort to raise awareness and resources for the poor. Now understand something really important, okay? You're not pretending to be homeless for a night, okay? Sleeping out is an act of solidarity. It's about imitating Christ's compassion in demonstrating through faith put into action that you care enough to raise awareness and help for those living on the streets. Parents of teenagers, can I speak to you? Let me encourage you to sleep out with your kids. We designed this for families to actually experience together. It's completely safe. The police are going to be there. Our pastors are going to be there. Our prayer teams are going to be there. I, I actually think it's going to be refreshing to some of you to like put aside our comforts, you know, for an evening. I'm giving up my social media. I'm giving up my controller, okay? Don't, don't, I mean, you can bring your cell phone, but don't be like, I'm going to sit in my box and scroll through Netflix and watch, you know, just like trying to make it as comfortable as possible. We, we're giving up our comfort so you can grow your compassion. Let me encourage you small groups. If you're in a small group, this is an awesome experience. Let me encourage you, sleep out with your small group together. High schoolers, get a group of your friends from, from school and do the sleep out together. You guys can get community service hours. You guys are the justice generation, okay? One night can truly change a life. The life of, of someone like my friend, Angel. This past winter, Colleen and I took our kids out to serve on the relief bus, and we went to the streets of Harlem where we met Angel. So I call him Angel of Harlem, you know? And when Angel came to the relief bus years ago, he, um, he was actually very shy. He didn't come near the bus at first. He was very, just didn't want to come close. And his clothes were filthy and smelled terrible. Because of his mental disabilities from birth, Angel hasn't been able to take care of his basic needs as an adult. But eventually, the relief bus drew him in with food and socks, but he found a lot more than new clothes at the relief bus. At the bus, Angel found friends. Angel found people who truly love him. Angel found a family. And Angel eventually found Jesus. He gave his life to Christ and found the eternal family he never had. Listen to his story. See, see, I have, see, see, I have a routine. I have my own routine, and every month, every week, every Friday and Saturday, and all year round, I be here with my family here at the Relief Bus. One of the people that I love to always uh, see when I go out is Angel. Typically when I step off the bus, he's the first face I see, and he's standing there with his hands in his pockets, looking to see who's coming off the bus that day. Angel is one of those guys that uh, 
you look at him and where he comes from, uh, Spanish Harlem, uh, one of the most dangerous projects, uh, violence, murder, and um, just despair. Uh, and then so to have this person that you walk out of the bus and he's just like smiling ear to ear, I uh, uh, knew something was different. It's hard not to be drawn to his smile just immediately. He's just humble and he's got a, he's just got a peaceful way about him. But he's the kind of person that he needed uh, love in a different way. Um, he is vulnerable. He has had a, a developmental learning disability since he was just a young. Before birth, he didn't receive enough oxygen and that caused some challenges for him right from the start. It didn't help that later on in his life, his brother was addicted to crack and would beat him senselessly, once to the point of landing him in the hospital in a coma for a long time. He basically is, is stuck as a, as a kid, uh, but that's the coolest thing about it. Uh, he, he no longer sees the world like the rest of us does. Uh, being jaded by the little things. He is a classic example of someone who would have fallen through the cracks and possibly ended up on the streets. He was susceptible, honestly, to uh, the system just running over him. I've had Angel over, I think it's the third time he's been over my house. Every time he's come over, we've had an, another kid. So he's gotten to meet all of them actually when they were babies. To me, communing with friends and, and having a meal is just a spiritual thing. And so I just really love to bring Angel in on that. Um, he's totally, um, he's a brother, he's my brother. So why would I not have him sit at my table? One of my first knowings of New York City Relief is that uh, this organization take somebody like Angel and makes them family. I think the thing that really cements who New York City Relief has been for Angel is the, the consistency that we bring and something that he has never had in his entire life. I think that changed who Angel is and uh, restored joy in his life. He used to go to a, a church that closed down, but he considers us now at New York City Relief his church. And that is an important part of what we do as well, that we are holistic and that we are caring for the person's physical needs, their emotional needs, uh, but also their spiritual needs. Now, if you see him, he is thriving. He looks great. He is vibrant and he loves to speak to anyone that comes out to serve, to tell them about his experience with New York City Relief. I'm just so grateful to have been a part of the work that goes into a life like Angel's. Guys, that's what Christian compassion looks like. That's what it means to have faith being put into action, putting feet to your faith. 
You know, through the relief bus, Angel actually plugged into a Christian discipleship program in Queens, and ultimately they were able to place Angel in a long-term group home, which he absolutely adores. That's incredible. That's amazing. He's still, this is so, yeah, give God a praise. It's amazing, guys. Homelessness is a struggle. It's not a life sentence. Angel actually still visits the release, relief bus every week. He, they actually kind of consider him like staff now. And uh, over the years, they've thrown birthday parties for Angel. They had a birthday party last month. Juan sent me some photos. And he said, what Angel want for his birthday? And he said he wanted to watch a Bruce Lee movie and eat pecan, butter pecan ice cream. <laughs> I was like, I'm in, man. That's like heaven on earth right there. They've taken him to Yankee games. They've made him part of the family because he is. Angel glows with, with the gentleness and, and, and the love of the Lord. And he's told the team, he says, you know what? I'm going to be with you for the rest of my life. You know what? He's exactly right. James actually writes this. He says, listen to me, dear brothers and sisters. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be what? Rich in faith. Aren't they the ones who will inherit the kingdom God promised to those who live him, love him? Guys, understand, homelessness really is, it's a struggle. We don't even say homeless people anymore. We just say people who struggle with homelessness because they're people before they are a condition. One night can literally change a life, a life like angels. So make some noise if you're ready to make a difference. Make some noise. You ready to sleep out? You guys ready to do this? I, I hope, I hope you guys are. I'm gonna be there. Uh, I'm signed up, uh, I'm sleeping out. My wife Colleen is sleeping out. Our kids are sleeping out. They don't know yet, but they're sleeping out. And uh, this Saturday is gonna be an epic adventure, all right? So let me tell you real quick how to sign up, all right? Just like Easter, you can take out your cell phone. The easiest way to register is on the Liquid Church mobile app, okay? So if you go there, if you don't have it, it's completely free. You get the App Store or Google Play. But on our mobile app, you just open it up, you'll see the Homeless Church icon. Click on it where it says sign up, and it gives you all the details. 100% free, okay? Anybody can participate. You don't even have to go to our church, okay? This is all on our website. So if you visit, if, you want, if you're like, I want to do it on the, I'm, I'm, you know, online when I get home, just visit liquidchurch.com slash homelesschurch. It'll give you all the details. If you actually take a look, I'm going to scroll through this. You're going to see it describes the whole night. We're going to provide you with cardboard, hot soup, um, and then $30 for every person makes it through. At 6 o'clock is when it opens, but then we'll conclude with breakfast at 6 a.m. We open the doors, and then at 7 a.m. we're going to have a short sunrise service where Juan Galloway, the president of the relief bus, is going to talk to you. And the whole event is over by 8 a.m. That's when you can go home, you get a shower, the whole thing, all right? Now, like I said, two locations, one in the north, Parsippany, one in the south, Sayreville. And uh, if you click on the FAQs, because I know you got questions, it's got all the details. You don't have to hammer me in the lobby after, okay? Um, <laughs> for instance, some of you are like, oh, I don't know if I can make it. I'm just going to show up. Ah, you got to register in advance. Because as part of the registration, it's free, but we're going to do a background check. Because it is a family-friendly event. We're recommending this. We're going to keep it safe for adults and kids who are 13 years or older. Now, if your kids are younger, it's up to you, parents. But I want to make this clear, parents. This is not an event where you drop your kids off in the parking lot <laughs> and peel out. <laughs> like, good luck with that. We're going on a date. All right, listen, okay? Anyone under 18, you have to have a parent or a guardian present at the sleep out. Even if you have like a group of teenagers, you gotta be at least one has to be the adult who's like, I'm the guardian, all right? 
This is to ensure the safety of all of our participants. And we're going to be sleeping out doors, okay, in both locations. Uh, when you arrive, like I said, we're going to give you the cardboard box to create a shelter. And you're like, okay, so what do I bring? Because uh, some, <laughs> right? some of you are like, okay, if it's 72 degrees, I'm in, Tim. No, you got to have a little bit of that variable. So I want you to wear some, some warm clothing, layered stuff, depending on what the, what the weather is. You can bring a sleeping bag. You can bring, you know, pillow, whatever. Just remember, okay, guys, this is not like, you know what, JP, I know how you think. JP's like, I'm going to REI right now. I'm going to get a generator. I'm going to get a tactical tent with a television on the thing. It's, the goal, we're not camping, folks, okay? We're not glamping. The, the idea is you're giving up some comfort, okay, for a little bit of a time. Now, you'll see on our website the schedule for the whole sleep out hour by hour. A check-in starts at 6. We're going to give you a guided journal. We have an orientation. Then the relief bus arrives. They're going to feed you. You have a chance just to talk and socialize. 12 midnight. Lights out, we hope you'll get six hours sleep, and then we open the doors for breakfast at 6 a.m., followed by our sunrise service at 7. The whole event wraps up at 8. Now, to be clear, we will still have our normal Sunday services at all of our campuses next Sunday. Same bat time, same bat channel, nothing changes, okay? But we're going to have a special message from Juan Galloway, president of New York City Relief, okay? If you have questions, it's all on here, folks. I know some of you are like, is it rain or shine? It's on here. The answer is yes, by the way. <laughs> If it rains, we will move it inside and sleep in the atrium, okay? Can you bring people, family, and friends? Yes! Remember, the more people who sleep out, the greater the donation that we make to the relief bus. If you sleep out, we donate 30 bucks. It's four meals, two hygiene kits, one Metro card. If you got a family of four and you all sleep out, that's 120 bucks. You get your small group to sleep out, we donate 300. You get your, your neighborhood, we donate 1,000 or more. Guys, I hope a thousand of you will accept this challenge to leave the comfortable bed for a cardboard box as a way to follow Jesus. Amen? Your Savior, your Lord, left his home in heaven to come live and suffer and die on earth out of love for you. So let's put our love into action and change some lives. Amen? Make some noise if you're excited. I, I think it's going to be great. Guys, realize this. Lives are going to change, yes, but realize the lives you change just may include your own by moving your faith from here down to here. Amen? Let me pray for us and ask God to bless our homeless outreach. Uh, Lord, we're touched right now, Father. We're just aware. Um, Lord, that we're just, oh, Lord, I just think of myself. I arrange for my comfort, my security, Lord, little retirement, all these things, and they're blessings from your hand. But Christ, wake us up. We don't want to be a sleeping church. We want to be a dangerous church on fire with the compassion of Jesus flowing out of our doors. Lord, we're not end users of the gospel. You saved us for this purpose, to serve the vulnerable, to be the hands and feet of Jesus on a street level. So God, I pray as we go out, we pray for mass participation. We pray for your protection. We pray for hearts to change. We pray for more angels, God. I thank you for angel, Lord. Just a life that was transformed by the love of Jesus. God, thank you that you're the God who sets lonely people in families, who looks after widows and orphans in their distress. Father, as we go out, I pray in some small way, we would experience in our heart, Father God, your soft eyes 
and your open heart towards those who are most vulnerable. Father, multiply this in ways we cannot imagine right now and bring glory to Jesus, we ask in his name. Everyone said together. Let's hear for all the people who are going to sleep out. It's going to be awesome. I look forward to seeing you there.